Dirty Dog, how excited are you for tonight's Nitro? Last night's Great American Bash was enormous as the perhaps the biggest biggest wrestling show of all time. It went pretty good. I enjoyed seeing the giant demolish Lux Luger in the main event. Yeah, I mean, that was good. It was all three. We got the Dean Malone Rey Mysterio match just all the way through. But obviously the big, the big story is those two guys from WWF coming over, right? They threw Bischoff through the stage. What was your thoughts on that one, man? WWF is going to kick Bischoff's Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleepover has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. <laughs> Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Live from Richmond, Virginia, and recorded live from the Richmond Coliseum, there's two things we enjoy doing, chewing bubblegum and podcasting, and we're all out of bubblegum. We are the twisted steel and sex appeal your parents warned you about, known as Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Joining me is the greatest broadcast partner I could ask for. The guy that has style and grace and a pretty face. The one and the only, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210. Beverly, what's happening? You're too kind, my friend. Not too much is happening. See, I saved this. I didn't want to tell you during the beginning when we were just talking off mic because I wanted to save this. So I told you that this week was homecoming week at the school I teach in. Yes. Day at the fest, I and some other of our teachers performed a Backstreet Boys lip sync, with, complete with a choreographed dance. I wish I been, it was amazing. I wish I could have been there live and in person for I washed it through my eye scope. <laughs> it was pretty awesome, and then I grew up. Of the female tears before us did the Spice Girls. <laughs> That's awesome. Something <laughs> that isn't so spicy, I guess, is Backstreet. Is this episode of Mid Event Status Radio <laughs> and this edition that we re- that we're reviewing of WCW Monday Nitro, episode forty from Monday, June seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, from Richmond, Virginia. You got it. Yep. So, do you have any? Uh, Backstory on the Richmond Coliseum as yes, sir. for this series. You know, man, you know it. Richmond Coliseum opened in 1971. Again, one of our, our older ones. Here are our tenants. Oh, they're so good. The Virginia Squires, not oh, Dave Taylor, darn. but the Virginia Squires of. NBA, 1970 to 1976. 
here's a good, here's a real just angry sounding team, the Richmond Robins. How is like, that angry? I'm that I'm saying. How is that intimidating? Oh, we're gonna go play the Robins. Maybe just maybe Coco Beware was your mascot. I would love that if they were the parrots. That would be awesome. Um, the VCU Rams, that's college team. Uh, Richmond Spiders, also college, but that's a, one of my all-time favorite college mascots, the Spiders. That's a little, little bit more intimidating than a bird. The, the Robins. Uh, yeah. The Richmond Rifles, which are a hockey team. Okay. <laughs> Just That's like the other end of the spectrum. You go straight to a gun. You go from the Robins to the, the Rifles. For some reason, I thought you said Ruffles. <laughs> <laughs> like, into a Ruffle chip. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I like my Ruffle chips, okay? That's all right, man. All right, we're halfway there. Richmond Renegades. Huh, I didn't know the Renegade was his own sports team. <laughs> he played hockey. <laughs> the Richmond Speed. The Richmond River Dogs. <laughs> the Bandits. Bandane. <laughs> Another version of the Renegades. And lastly, the Richmond Raiders. I hope they don't raid this podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills. I do too, man. I do too. I hope we we rob it. So according to my Ruku for this edition of WCW Monday Natural, and I okay. quote Scott Steiner battles the giant in the main event. Ric Flair takes on Macho Man Randy Savage. Dean Malenko faces Rey Mysterio. All right. That sounds accurate. So the show opens up with a classic natural opening. Pyro goes off. Pew, 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 pew. And Tony <laughs> welcomes us from the state capital of Virginia with two hours of natural. And they're sitting up in the natural announcer stage that they normally sit in for hour two, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I know that too. What's your thoughts on Tony and Larry sitting up there for this week just because Eric Bischoff got powerbombed the night before? I mean, I noticed it, but it didn't have much impact on the broadcast itself. Yeah, I just, well, since I take, you know, note, note the little things like that, I just found that interesting to you know change a pace and all that but like i said it didn't matter where they sat anyway right on. yeah i mean like you would i don't know you would think it would maybe do something but it didn't really so then tony tells us that he'll be our play-by-play man all night because of what happened the night before to eric bischoff then uh, right on. tony tells us that in hour two we'll see what holland nash did to bischoff at the great american bash pay-per-view all right, but before we get all of that, you missed Tony was on point with his hyperbole here. Okay, First, he starts out saying he is welcoming us to two hours of the hottest television program in the entire world. Then he says that last night were the biggest events in recent memory, if not in history. The biggest events in history took place last night. I do agree that Kevin Nash powerbombing Eric Bischoff through the stage was probably a little bit more important than Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> right? Don't use John Hancock down in nineteen or seventeen seventy six oh. on the Declaration of Independence, Gorilla. So much just happened there. 
<laughs> Thomas Jeff- John Hancock was there, so Thomas Jefferson wasn't writing that. And then 1976 is the capper. <laughs> and then Tony goes on to say that the attack on Eric Bischoff was the worst attack, the worst thing Tony has ever seen in his life. I either two things that line says two things about Tony Schiavone. One, he does didn't see much in his life. <laughs> or two, he doesn't watch that much professional wrestling. I love the idea that he's just so sheltered that he just doesn't know. He's just like, this is the worst attack I've ever seen because I've never watched anything else. <laughs> oh, oh, Tony Schiavone. Then, then Larry Sabisco philosophized about chest and said, powerbombing Bischoff didn't impress him, and, and, and if the outsiders think they'll take over WCW, they won't. They aren't welcome here, and, yep. and they aren't wanted in to WCW. <laughs> yes, and Larry, Larry says that he invented playing with the rules. <laughs> okay, okay so, Larry. Yeah. Let's see. Then we'll be seeing some. Then we saw some stills of the Steiner Boys winning the first match of the pay per view. Yeah. Then Tenta beating Bubba, then getting his beard shaved off. Or no, cutting Bubba's beard. My my apologies. Yep. You know. Then we saw some stills of Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio's match from the night before, and we were told that they'll have a rematch here tonight in Richmond, Virginia. Then we saw how Mongo McMichael joined the Four Horsemen the night before, and Larry. Yep told us that Mongo proved his worthiness at the pay-per-view. Mongo isn't a Dumbo anymore. He then, took off with Macho's money. Then Tony said we, we will see highlights of Sullivan and Benoit and, or yeah, that, and where they went to the bathroom. Yes. Yep, we're going to get... He, man, they, play, they pimped that like all night. This, these highlights of them going to the bathroom. I feel like either one of two things, just like you said one of two things earlier, one of two things with this bathroom thing. Either it's more important than I thought, like, I, because I don't think it's that cool or whatever, or, yeah, that was my first one, like, either it's more important, like, in 1996, it was a thing that we hadn't seen, to, seen a lot of, or WCW is, like, misplacing their importance on it, but they're really excited about this bathroom thing. Or a third thing, Mr. Okay, yes. They finally caught on camera, video camera that is, a woman being in the man's bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) There's a lady in the man's bathroom! Then we see some highlights of Bischoff interviewing the outsiders at the pay-per-view the night before. Do you work for the WWF? Bischoff asked. Then Hall said, don't worry about the past. No. Worry about the future. <laughs> yep. And then he punches him, <laughs> and Nash grabs him, and then we cut off. Then, then Tony comes back in disgust, and we'll see more later. Yes. Right, that is accurate. Then we get our opening bell for the night, Stevie Ray versus Rick Steiner. Solid hour 
Tony Schiavone. We're your hosts for the first hour, as always, of WCW Monday Nitro. But tonight, I will be with you for the second hour as well. We are one day removed from one of the wildest, one of the most unforgettable events in recent memory, maybe in history, the Great American Bash. If you were not with us, what you missed last night in Baltimore. Later in this telecast, later in this program, during the second hour, we will show you the blatant attack by two gentlemen who have come on this program for the last couple of weeks and disrupted proceedings. You know who they are. They blatantly attacked Eric Bischoff last night. Once war had been accepted, we are under alert here tonight. You never know what's going to happen, and we're going to show fans what happened to Eric Bischoff last night. I can tell you right now, fans, I've been doing this for many years. It's the worst attack, worst thing I have ever seen in my life, Larry. Well, you know, let me say something about that. I can appreciate playing that human game of chess to its fullest potential. I can appreciate taking advantage of the rules because I invented it. Picking up skinny little Bischoff and throwing him off the stage does not impress me. These two rogues who think they're going to come in and take over world championship wrestling, the biggest wrestling organization in the world, I want you two clowns to realize you're not welcome here and you're not wanted here. You wanted war? Buddy, you got war, and we're going to be telling you later on in this telecast that during Bash of the Beach, what men will participate, and we will have a drawing, and we'll be talking a little bit about that. Also last night, in that much-anticipated tag team match, the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, and what about what happened there? We'll be talking about that, but last night at the Great American Bash, we had some tremendous action. Fire and Ice in the opening bout going up against the Steiner Brothers, one of the hottest tag team matches we ever want to see. Back and forth, there must be a winner, and I tell you, both teams went at it. The Steiners gave them their best move. Fire and Ice gave them their best move. Submission holds and everything. But at the end, it was the Steiner brothers getting the win in the opening bout. Also, we had some other tremendous action. Big Bubba last night at the Great American Bash going up against John Tenta. John Tenta came in with revenge in his mind, and he had the 300-pound Bubba at his disposal. As a matter of fact, got a little bit of the beard as well as he defeated Big Bubba last night. And then you talked about electrifying. Last night, it was Dean Malenko, Ray Mysterio Jr. for the Cruiserweight. We saw highlights. We saw moves and holes that we have never seen before. They had a tremendous matchup and they will have a big return match. Rey Mysterio Jr. and Dean Malenko later on in this telecast. Also, we will show the fans how we now have a fourth horseman. Can you believe this? It is Steve Mongo McMichael. We will show the fans how that happened, how he turned his back on his friend Kevin Green. All for the green, all for Wait money. Wait a minute. Steve Mongo McMichael's Notice I didn't call him Dumbo this week. This man has proved his worthiness as a professional athlete. You know what he did, Shivani? What he did was he deliberately stopped the match by hitting Green over the head only to protect his knee to stop Ric Flair from injuring Green's career in the figure four and took off with Randy Savage's money at the same time. We will also show you later on one of the wildest matches ended up in the bathroom between the Taskmaster and between Chris Benoit. But also, fans... We talked about what happened to Eric Bischoff last night right on the Great American Bash. It all started with this. Take a look at what happened last night. I will tell you, it'll be at Bash at the Beach, July 7th, in Daytona. I'm free. But before we go any further, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, let's clear one thing up. Do you work for the WWF? No. 
about it. No. Forget about the past, Chico. Let's worry about the future. We want to know who your three guys are. Is it, is it the uh, Nacho Man? I don't think so. And what about, what about the immortal Huckster? You know, you tell billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody he can because the big man and the medium-sized man and our surprise buddy are going to carve them up. I want to ask you a question right now. He's had his say. Who are they, man? Who are they? Come I can't on. tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal. You can't tell us? You don't jack us around, don't jack us around. Oh, for Whoa! What are they doing? Can you believe that happened? There is a further part to this story. Stay tuned. Later on on Nitro, we will show you what happened to Eric Bischoff at the hands of these two thugs. It happened last night at the Great American Bash. And we'll be talking about Bash of the Beats. We are under war. War has been accepted, and we will tell you how. But right now, we're going to ring the first bout. Two hours live on WCW Monday Nitro. Larry Zabisco, as always, the greatest wrestling action in the world right here. That's why I'm here, Shivani. How excited are you to see Stevie Ray battling Rick Steiner? I'm actually quite excited because this is these are two of my kind of wrestlers, which and is the big power guys. What's your thoughts on Stevie Stevie Ray's purple tights? Um, they're all right. They, I like the black ones a lot. Same but here, the yeah. purple ones are and eh, they're okay. It seemed like it was kind of like a uh, not like a bright purple. If I remember correctly, it kind of seems like kind of like a um, dull purple color, like a gray purplish. These ones? Yeah. I thought it was like a really bright, okay. kind of like almost a magenta. Okay, I must be uh, yeah mistaken on my color schemes, but I also didn't okay. go to school to major in art. <laughs> kind of close, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, a fan's hat pops off, or a fan. Po- Popped off another fan's hat when uh, when Rick Steiner walked by. It made me laugh. (laughs) That makes me laugh just thinking about it. Rick Steiner's tights seem pretty colorful, bluish as a base and multicolored for multicolored animal print. I don't even like look at their tights because they're always just insane. Yeah, that's that's me me just trying to explain both both guys' attire. No, that's fine, but they're just. Always super wacky. There's something something that isn't super wacky, Mr. Beverly Hills, is your yes. explanation of the match. You got it, man. So, I, yeah, my first note was just that the crowd seemed to dig on Stevie Ray coming out. And I don't know if it was just specifically him or if it was because it was the first match of the night. I'm not sure, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray started uh, hot. He takes over with some punches, eye rakes, a couple of stomps, and then a big lariat, which I thought looked really impressive that, you know, usually Steiner isn't known exactly for selling those big moves, but here he did. Uh, And then, yeah, Stevie had a couple more power moves, but Steiner was able to come back with an overhead belly-to-belly that looked really good. Uh, I I noted that the first overhead belly-to-belly by Rick looked like he almost dropped Stevie Ray on his head. Yeah, yep. 
I, right on. I took note of that because I felt like it that move looked pretty scary. It's true, and I and I wasn't sure if that was that Steiner couldn't give enough power to get him over, or if it was that Stevie it w- isn't athletic enough to flip and get onto his back, I, or probably more likely. Go ahead. I feel like he was more more to the latter than the former. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say probably the most likely bit combination of both. Fair fair enough, yeah. I can, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I can see that see that. Yeah, especially since the Sander brothers fought two big bohemians the night before in Fire yeah. and Ice. Yeah, because Steiner trying to oh man, Stevie Ray's really big and he didn't really have a leverage advantage, obviously, because he's a lot smaller. And then also, yeah, Stevie I don't think is known for being the most athletic of of wrestlers, so but after that, um, uh, Rick went top for a for a top rope bulldog, hit it, got a two count, uh, and then kind of awkwardly, just like got up, stood in the corner, then hit a clothesline, and we're done. Three count. Yeah, the, I, I took note that the finish came when Stevie missed a second rope punch, and Rick rolled out of the way. Rick, what, yeah, like I said, Rick went to the corner until Stevie got up to his feet, hit a clothesline lariat, lariat and picked up the pinfall victory. Yep. So the winner is Scott Steiner. Now, right no, Scott. No? The winner is Rick, Rick Steiner. Did I say Scott Steiner? Yes. My, my note says Rick Steiner, so I don't know why I said Scott Steiner. <laughs> I just had a Bill Mercer moment right there, people. I was just going to say, I don't, know, I don't know how Scott won this match he wasn't there. So the winner, again, is Rick Steiner, and I ready this match, Mr. Beverly Hills, one star. I went one and three quarters. I, it was short, but it was uh, okay for what it was. I felt like both men worked hard, certainly not the single stars of the tag team. You know, and, and all that, that. Well, for me, it, I really had a tough time connecting with the match, but that's, that's me, though, too. Right and on, it's yeah. like you know we get it's like the both guys try to give their best, which I appreciate that they always try to give their best. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's cool. Then Booker T ran down and hit a sidekick onto Rick. Yeah. Both Stevie and Booker double teamed Rick for a little bit. Then Stevie hit a power bomb and Booker went up to do whatever. Stevie put Rick in a Boston Crab and then the guy who I thought was. Scott Steiner <laughs> came down and covered Rick, and Booker landed on Scotty. Right. It was a really weird kind of post-match scenario. Like, I don't know if they threw it or something like that, because Stevie hits a power bomb, and then it looks like they're going to do the Harlem Hangover, which is basically the Doomsday device, but with a kick instead of a clothesline. But then, all of a sudden, Stevie puts him in this Boston Crab, and, and then we get, yeah, like you said, with Scott laying down on top of Rick. So it was a very kind of awkward, weird post-match scenario. Something that isn't awkward, I guess kind of is, is our next matchup, Mr. Beverly Hills. Okay. The Disco Inferno versus Joe Gomez. <laughs> well, first we get <laughs> those little interstitials where the American males say, we're coming for the horsemen. Then, yes, we get Disco Inferno versus the Desperado. Why don't you lay down your fences? Yep. Come Joe to Gomez. your senses. senses. Oh, 
yeah. I don't know the rest of the words. Yeah. <laughs> when the Disco Inferno came down, he grabbed the mic and said, he's here to dance, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yep, and everyone came to watch him dance. Desperado knockoff. And personally, I was like, oh gosh. Because, spoiler to everyone who's listening, this is the second time I've watched this. Because I watched it once four or five weeks ago. And I I took notes. And then, circumstances, obviously, here I am again. I lost my notes. (laughs) And I had forgotten about. Joe Gomez, and I'm like, oh gosh, this is when Joe Gomez comes up. Uh, Cause uh, have I know? Yeah, because Joe Gomez has been on the podcast before. Have we or have you discussed what you know about Joe Gomez? Because I think I have. Okay, he was attacked on one episode by the Horsemen. Yeah, where he was supposed to face one of them or yeah, something. Yeah, him, him and the Renegade were supposed to team or face against Rick and Arn. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But they beat him up in the back. And I think I talked about him. Alan Iron Eagle was his former persona when he was kind of a jobber. Now, I don't even know why in 1996 we decide that we're going to give Joe Gomez a push here. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't have a good look. He doesn't look like he's very good in the ring. I just am completely flabbergasted at Joe Gomez. I have no opinion about Joe Gomez. You Nothing? No opinion well, at all? I guess not really much of an opinion, but as as usual, I listen to the Hell of a Deal podcast with Kevin Sullivan and MSL, and Kevin uh, MSL asked Kevin about Joe Gomez on why give Joe Gomez a push. And it's pretty much because Joe Gomez is much, knows where the parties are at. And that's why the guys liked having him around because Joe Gomez was their hookup. Gross. It looks like Joe Gomez would know where like nasty parties are at. Yeah. Like not good parties. So in, in essence, Joe Gomez knows where the Hoochie Mamas are at. Gross. I, I don't want to party with the women that Joe Gomez would find. I feel like that's just the wrong thing. Yes. Something that isn't <laughs> the wrong thing is that, is that I, I took note that I guess Hogan called and talked to Tony, I believe, and said that if Hollow Nash won a war, he's declaring war on them, we'll be back to fight the Outsiders. Right. Yep. Then yep. I took note. We got kind of some cool, we got some, kind of some cool uh, 
little things throughout this episode and the next one too, where random people are like, I'm signing up to face the, the outside invasion. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Then I'm just because I take weird notes. I finally noticed that disco's white tights has black lettered on his booty that says Monday Night Fever, Mr. Beverly Hills. I you finally got it. realized what Disco's butt has been telling me this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Monday Night, you got Monday Night Fever, man. And I got podcast fever to hear you talk about Joe Gomez against the Disco Inferno. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, I don't have a ton on this one because it sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. When Gomez is coming down to his terrible music, he's like, it isn't time to dance. Then <laughs> when the match started, Disco hit a hip block and did some dancing. I was happy. And I was like, yeah, that's right, Joe Gomez. It is time to dance. Yeah, because I did take – I only took two notes. One was the finish, and the other note was just like what you said. When Disco had the chance, he danced and boogied. <laughs> so when, when he was dancing, though – uh, Gomez got an atomic drop, two tip top, and a drop kick. Uh, and Disco went outside and was checking his hair, uh, making sure that it wasn't uh, out of uh, out of place. And when he came in, Dis- uh, Desperado hit another drop kick and a miss splash, um, which allowed Disco to choke Gomez on the ropes and also and still ask the cameraman about his hair again <laughs> while he was choking Joe Gomez, which made me happy. Um, this is just where I took note where I was just thinking like that Gomez is all right, but you know, they're talking a lot about him. They're talking like he is getting some type of, and he just doesn't, he just doesn't have it to me, like just in general. Um, but now that I know, I guess the reason why he was getting that push, um, Go hit his swing neckbreaker, which later I think would be called like the chart buster or something like that. But right now it doesn't have a name. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yep. But he danced and did a sassy pin, and Joe Gomez was. Bless you. Sorry. Yeah, that, I'll pick it up since you're sneezing. That disc, yeah, Disco had the chance to pick up the victory, but decided yep. to boogie. And we, yeah, we went over and yeah, tried to land him with a cocky pin, but. Because of that, Joe Gomez rolled him up, scored the pinfall victory. Yes. So the winner, let's see if I can read my notes correct, Mr. Beverly Hills. The winner is Joe Gomez. Yeah. Desperado. I rated this match only because of Disco's boogie in one star. Ah, quarter star. I, I, mm-hmm. I just like the ending where Disco was too cocky. He thought he was too cool. And uh, he his dancing ways cost him the match. Yeah, this well, one was close to being a dud for me. Yeah, yeah I, I just, same with you, I was bored during the match. I didn't like the match. I could connect to the match. I guess the only person I could connect to the match was when Disco, Disco boogied. So, yeah, this match sucked. Yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to see. <laughs> and it seemed like for some odd reason the fans... Leaped to their feet when Gomez rolled out of the ring. I I don't think they did that. Okay, I could have missed. <laughs> then we. I just I just don't, I don't I can't imagine anyone leaping to their feet over Joe Gomez. Fair enough. 
Uh, we come back from a commercial break, and Mean Gene is backstage with Deborah, Woman, Liz, and Ric Flair. Then Mean Gene said that he's disappointed in Deborah because Greed, Greed showed his ugly head the night before at the Great American Bash. Yeah. Then Flair goes off on how they, they the horsemen, outsmarted a green and savage, and I'm kicking to you, Mr. Beverly Hills. Look at the monitor, Gene. It looks like a Vogue cover. Macho Man, Mongo. Now, with that 100-carat Super Bowl ring, ooh, we're reunited, and it feels oh so good. Kevin Green is a hospital bed. Macho wants his money, his quality life. He wants... Elizabeth back. Macho, you're mad. You're sick. But tonight, I'm going to style and profile. Yeah, because I felt like Flair went off on being goofy, his normal normal self, and I loved it, too. Yes, it was amazing. We are back with more WCW Monday Nitro here on TNT. I feel a little uncomfortable. i got to be very candid with you, Ric Flair. After all that has transpired in the last 24 hours, Elizabeth, please, woman, don't get involved here. And you, Deborah McMichaels, I have never been disappointed in any one person like I have been disappointed in you last night at the Great American Bank. What I, made you do that? I had to do it. Well, for one thing, it was great company. And for the money, I hate to say it again, it was for the money. Greed rares its ugly head. And I'll tell you what, the recently reinstated macho man, Randy Savage, we saw him last night. You saw him. You got a real good look at him. Look at the monitor, Gene. Look at what the world's looking at. It looks like a Vogue cover. That's what's going on. It's Deborah. Woo! It's woman, old woman, won't you marry me now? And it's Liz and Macho Man. Mongo. Now, with that 10-carat diamond Super Bowl ring, goes like this. We're reunited, brother. Woo! And it feels oh so good. Kevin Green lays in a hospital bed in Charlotte. Front page. I'm not going to tell the story. It was big. But now tonight, Macho's reinstated. He wants his money back. Yes. Quality of life. Yes. Most of all, he wants. I told you before, Flair. Elizabeth back. She's not going to cross that line again. Macho, right here. Nitro, firsthand. You're going to find out why I'm on top of the world. All right, that's going to be about a half hour. I'm the nature boy. Macho, you're mad, you're sick. But tonight, you're going to get hurt and hurt bad. You know why? Wow. Because I'm on a style and profile. Wow. Gee, look at the girls. Yep, I can... excitement, Richmond, Virginia. Next week, we're coming to Charlotte. Woo! Bright lights, big cities. Tonight, Macho, you go down. I don't know. I have talked Woo! to the Macho Man, Randy Savage. You know, this guy's a little loony. You they all that. think I'm afraid of him. You know, they're all saying when Macho Man gets a hold of Flair, he's going to tear him up. Not going to happen. I'm standing on my ground, Macho. Thank you. Tonight, Thank you. Thank you. We are all out of Woo! time, Deborah. I can't believe it. Right now, let's get you back Woo! to more action. All right. We are back. Then... Do we have anything between that interview and the next match, Mr. Beverly Hills? We do not. Okay. The next match is Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit representing, representing the Four Horsemen take on American Males, 
American males. <laughs> Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. You got it. Let's see. Uh, I'm happy to see Benoit and Anderson finally on the same page for their entrance, just because of what happened yes. the night before. And uh, I, I f- was super happy to hear the announcers put over the fact that the horsemen are finally a solid unit. Just because of what happened the night before. So. Yes, now they are together fully. Hopefully this uh that storyline with Sullivan just was so boring. Just made me want to puke. I don't see it. you could totally tell that Sullivan's the booker here because he's inserting himself in these roles where he just has no place. Just no place. He's so far past his prime and he has no reason to be facing uh, Benoit here and like being with the horsemen because the horsemen are on fire. Arn is awesome. Flair is out of control and just amazing. Uh, Benoit is, you know, great in the ring right now. There's just no reason for Sullivan to even be near this. But Kevin Sullivan's just trying to grab what's hot and hopefully get some of the heat onto the Dungeon of Doom. Are you pooping? Are you are you being the master or you know the father? Because that's not really Kevin Sullivan. That's more like the dad, the, the King Curtis. Whatever, Beverly Hills. <laughs> anyway, yes, I don't have man. any note about the American Males' entrance or anything, so I'll kick it <laughs> to you to discuss this match. My first note was my. Fr- I thought Larry was good tonight, but my first note's a Larry note where he says that. "Quote unquote," these guys look like Frank Purdue looking at a chicken. Now, Frank Purdue is the owner of Purdue Farms, which produces just a to- just a ton of chicken. But I have no clue how he looks at a chicken. I have no clue why the American males are looking at the horseman like he would look at a chicken. It just doesn't make sense, and it's totally just like I smarter than everybody else. I'm going to use this Frank Perdue uh, reference. I hate Larry Zabisco. But then again, when does Larry Zabisco ever make sense, Mr. Beverly Hills? Sometimes. He was okay when he was talking about that he was the first one to play with the rules and stuff like that. But outside of that, he was okay. I mean... So Larry Zabisco goes all the way back to being the first man in human history. I guess that's what he said. The first person to like ever play a game, right? So I guess Larry Zabisco is who knows how many years old? Like several oh, thousand, thousand, several billion, whatever. <laughs> yeah, either thousands of years old if he's just like go dates back to human history. Billions of years, billions of years if he goes back to the first animals. Which would be amazing. <laughs> Which would explain a lot about Larry Zabisco. It would. It would explain why he's so smart, right? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's the deal. Um, okay. Arn, he, he got in and he got a kick to the gut and he reversed powerbomb into a... Oh, and then, yeah. Uh, Buff did a drop kick on him. Uh, Benoit came in and he was able to get a couple chops before he got hit by an Enziguri from Bagwell. And just my big, you know, note and what I wanted to ask you is what do you think about the crowd 
during this match. I thought like the crowd was really hot for this match. Yeah, but they were not hot as the people in charge would want them to be. Yeah. Um, they were 100% behind the horsemen here. Yeah, I was going to say that one of the notes I took of this match that deals with the crowd that I question how is it an insult when the American males do the four horsemen hand sign upside down. Yes! Oh my gosh. I don't even know. I thought I put this somewhere. Thank you for reminding me. It, it was ridiculous when they kept doing that. They keep, yeah, and they're like, ooh, as if Arnold Benoit is supposed to like be incensed at it. But it's, I don't get it either. I completely agree with you. I don't get this at all. Because it's like they're, you know, kind of, yeah, dangling their four fingers down, like, I don't know, trying to make a homosexual slur. Which, I don't, um, yeah, that, that might be doing kind of like a limp-wristed thing. I'm not sure. But if that's the case, then nothing, nothing really got teased about that. And I feel like if any team or faction was going to be teased about that, I feel like it should be more the American males because uh, well, it's like their characters are supposed to be like not the horsemen, but that's just right. me. Yeah, I, I completely don't understand that at all. Um. Yeah, whatever. Let's go to the end here. We got Benoit. He hit a headbutt, um, but it's broken up. But Arn came in and hit a clothesline. The crowd absolutely wild at this clothesline. Um, a double drop kick from the uh, males hey, there. I, I had to interrupt. Tony okay. tells us when the males hit the double drop kick that that indeed is American males' finishing maneuver. How is that a tag finish? Because to me, that isn't enough to put somebody away. Oh, I totally think that's a tag finish. For sure. I guess to me, if I guess I never been never was been in the ring and took a bump, but I don't know. To me, the believ- believability aspect is kind of hard for me to say. Okay, the guy gets four feet flying at him. How is that going to knock him out? But I guess depending on how he gets hit. How's the good. super kick of a finisher then? Right That's the one foot. That's right in the face, homie. So is the double drop kick. Whatever. It's four feet in your face. But I was going to say, I guess depending on where yeah, they get hit, I guess could knock the wind out of them, could knock sense out of them, could stun them and all that. But I It's don't know. four times as powerful as the super kick, and Shawn Michaels has won the championship like – a lot of times. And he also gave up a lot of those championships, though, too. So, he, so you're saying a, a finisher is only meaningful if a person has never lost? <laughs> then there are no good finishers in the history of, of wrestling because, indeed, everyone has given up something. Mr. Beverly Hills, I don't appreciate you putting words in my mouth like that. Gorilla. You just said it. You <laughs> just said it. You had, He's also given up a lot of championships. Okay, so tell the one undefeated wrestler who's the only one who has a good finisher. Bill Goldberg. He lost. Whatever. <laughs> no finishers are good. Quote, Dirty Dog Darcy. No good finishers. What a finishing maneuver that is good was the finishing maneuver that finished this match, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yeah, what was it? Uh, Benoit picks up Riggs for a suplex, drops him, drops him face first on the ropes, and holds him down for a pin, and the horsemen pick up the victory. Yep, and Arn held him down, too. 
He so grabbed the, winner, the outside. The winners are Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. And I rated this match two and one four stars. I went two stars. I thought Arn looked great. Benoit looked good. Um, the lack of crowd of any crowd support for the males, I think, hurts it. Yeah. Um, because they don't really know what to do in this event. Like, because they're inexperienced slash not that good. Arn knew what to do. Arn starts playing into it and stuff, but uh, the other side didn't really, and uh, it kind of hurt um, because of that. Yeah, then, you know, I had to, you know, have to compare this tag match up to the American Males take on Anderson and Flair that we reviewed sure. two shows back, and I can definitely tell that Benoit and Anderson don't have the take chemistry down like Flair and Anderson did. I was, you know, Flair and Anderson go way back a lot further right. and had a lot more experience taking together than Benoit did with Anderson, but obviously Flair is more experienced than Benoit at 96. But, yeah, I can just, to me, I feel like this take match with Horseman versus the males isn't as good as, like I said, when Flair was taking with Arn that we reviewed a few Nitros back. Sure, I would agree with you on that one. Then after some replays, we get Mean Gene in the ring with Benoit and Anderson. Anderson said that everyone is shot because they have four horsemen now. Yep. And Anderson put over that the fans love when guys say what they're going to do and they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's his way of... uh, kind of explaining why the crowd is so into him. And I think that's such a good, you know, thing about Arn and a good thing about improvised promos in general, because if you just go out there and say what you memorized, it wouldn't make sense because if he's going to go out and give a memorized heel promo, it wouldn't make sense to me at home to hear everybody, you know, cheering him and stuff. So it's good that he comments on it. And it's good that he's kind of going off the cuff here. And then Benoit said that Sullivan felt the beating of the, of the horseman the night before at the Great American Bash. Together again, and I'm certain we're going to be talking about this in weeks to come. Benoit and Anderson here with us tonight. Stay tuned on TNT Live. More Nitro continues right after this. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you have any other notes for this, for that interview? Uh, I love Arn Anderson. What's yes. my other note on it? And was there anything between that interview and the next match? Yes. John Tenta says, what goes around comes around. Then we get Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart taking on John Tenta. You mentioned John Tenta, yes. Then Tony tells us during Bubba's entrance that we could order the replay of the Bash pay-per-view on Tuesday. Yes. I think that the era of the Pay-per-view replay is so interesting to me. Yeah. Just that, uh, you know, you have this day where they talk about everything, but they don't show you full replay because they don't show, you know, the the full gamut because they still want to sell these promos. And I told, and I remember that, and it was so weird. Such an interesting time. Well, yeah, still, it's not like wrestling nowadays, uh, you know, with the WWE Network that you can go. Right. Anytime back and watch the pay-per-view, you know, let's say 
you know, there's a pay-per-view starting at, well, for here in Minnesota at 7 p.m., and we're doing something, then we get back at 7.30, we were able to start the pay-per-view out right at the start, half hour into the pay-per-view, and watch it from there, or watch it during the week, you know, the following week, or whenever we want to. So, yeah, like you said, that's interesting. Uh, for me, too, I find it interesting to watch old shows and hear the announcers plug the pay-per-view replays when to kind of look back on how technology advanced from whatever show we're, show we're mm-hmm. reviewing. Yeah, right on. Yep, it is interesting. And Shark still has no theme song. Yes, which I think is so weird. And then Bubba tries to attack Tenta on the outside of the ring. They'll kick it to you for this match. You got it. Well, first I thought when Bubba was coming out, I think it's disappointing that, I don't know why, maybe it's because Bubba commit or maybe for some other reason i think it's too bad that bubba won't like shave more of his beard off because when he's like trying to sell that he's embarrassed or when tenta's trying to sell that uh he he inflicted some type of damage on bubba and tenta's got half his head shaved but when he's trying to to sell that he inflicted some type of damage on Bubba, and Bubba's got, like, three hairs missing. Yeah, His kid's not as good. I was going to say, I feel like what, quote-unquote, Tenta did to Bubba's beard the night before, I feel like Bubba's beard or goatee or whatever looks a lot better with what, <laughs> supposedly, what Tenta did than before, because before it was big and bushy, and now it yeah. feels like it's more trimmed up and looking a lot nicer. Yeah, it's super lame. So bad. I, th- I think, like, that really kind of kills it. It kills the kind of, I guess, like the thrill that we as fans are kind of supposed to get from Tenta shaving um, shaving his beard. Like we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, go Tenta. But if there's nothing that happens, what kind of thrill do we get? You know, so. Yeah, nothing really. Yeah. Um, Sue. So, Bubba started off quick with some uh, punches, but then Tenta came back with a backdrop and a drop kick. Which yeah, and I was, like, sur- was the man. I was surprised to see a drop kick from Tenta. Right on. Tenta rocks the house. No yeah. lie. I took note that after the drop kick, Tony tells us that the money Mongo got in the briefcase the night before was the money Liz got from Macho from their divorce. Yep. And that's when Larry says. Say a prenup, and I I want to ask your thoughts on that. <laughs> Even out of my notes, I go. Larry says, "Side of prenup." Thoughts on that, dirty dog? <laughs> I I don't know. Unless Larry was just trying to hint at all the his maybe his marital status. Yes, or well, I guess Flair had four wives up to this currently, but I guess uh, unless Larry was <laughs> trying to tell. Well, back at that time, an eight-year-old dirty dog or like a ten-year-old Beverly Hills to sign a prenup before you get married. <laughs> I didn't, because cause a I don't have anything to give away. <laughs> I have no Halliburton of money, and B I trust my wife, and I trust the we'll be together. As this, well, as I say, and C. Your wife is awesome, and I can't see you two, uh, you two leaving each other. And D, if something does happen, I hope Mrs. Hills doesn't take your spot in the podcast. Cause that'd be kind of, that'd oh, be kind I hope of she weird. would. That'd be amazing. That's the one thing I have. <laughs> Maybe I'll just bring her on anyway. No, no, 
don't. I don't know if I have the chemistry with Mrs. Hills as I do with Mr. Hills. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, but that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so then I also noticed Bubba's shirt on the back. It says, Big Bubba, no trouble. And I love that. I want a shirt that says, Beverly Hills, no trouble on the back. I don't know what it means, but it's awesome. Note to self. Mr. Beverly Hills' Christmas present. <laughs> Beverly Hills, no trouble. <laughs> so Obama came back and he pulled uh, Tenta's nuts into the ring post. And then he says a comment that I don't really get. I think, I guess it has something to do with the, the nut shot, but he's like, what man? Always a man. Okay. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um... So then Bubba did kind of his signature move, the jumping rope choke thing, <laughs> and then the slide under the ropes punch. Then he came back with the camel clutch, um, but Tento was able to power out and hit two avalanches. Then Jimmy comes in. He hits Tento with the megaphone, but it has no effect on the former shark. Yes. The, oh God. Megaf- the megaphone mega- has no effect on the shark. And then Tony's like, what's with the megaphone? And Jen Larry goes, it's the batteries. <laughs> I totally agree, Mr. Beverly Hills. It's totally the batteries. I love the you have a megaphone. Why do you have a megaphone? Mikey Wolfrack gave me that for a Christmas gift. Oh my gosh. Well, that's amazing. Because <laughs> as a running joke, when him and I led together, that I always told him that I'm not loud enough. I need a megaphone. So, <laughs> so a rib, I don't believe that. So a rib back on me, he got me a, a megaphone. That's awesome. That's real good. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, Tenta atomic yeah. drops him. Yeah, then Tenta catches Big Bubba and power slams him. Mm-hmm. You have a big front slam. And picks him up during the pin attempt. Picks him. Yeah, or yeah, yep. pulls him up from the during the pin attempt. Picks him back up. Power slams him again, and then puts his feet on the bottom rope for the pinfall victory. I thought the the feet on the rope was weird. Yeah. Very strange. John Tent is the winner, and I give this match a dud. I gave it a star in one quarter. That, you know, uh, to, I guess the only good thing about this match is that Tent showed off how strong he is, you know, with catching Bubba and all that and slamming him. Tent showed how awesome he is. Love John Tenta. Then Tenta started to chase Jimmy around the ring after the match. Yep. Then, yeah, around the ring, then Jimmy ran into the ring and threw Bubba. Threw Bubba a loaded sock, and Bubba used that loaded sock to lay out Tento. I thought this part was absolutely ridiculous. Yes. He hit him in the face with this thing. He hit him in the head a bunch of times. He hit him in the body, and it looked like it hurt real bad. I have no clue why this was happening. I thought it was complete, unprofessional bull honky. I think why this looked, looked horrible and all that is because words of Big Bubba, Tenta is a big fat piece of trash. 
Oh, that's why. Yes. So it was totally fine that he was just walloping him with this sack full of coins. According to the man from Cobb County. Oh, okay. Then, I'm going to hit you with a sack full of coins the next time I see you and see how much you like it. Just wait after the the wedding ceremony, Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> what being said? For, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the mean Gen- you go to Mean Gene and he's ringside with Jimmy and Bubba. Yep. Jimmy tells us that he'll make yeah, he makes examples out of people who who turn their back in the dungeon of doom. Yep. Bubba to- yeah, Bubba then calls Tenta a big fat piece of trash. As well. What was that? A beach whale as yes. well. Then Bubba plugs the replay of the pay-per-view if we want yeah. to see how he quote-unquote beat Tenta the night before. Right. That's funny. Yes, Bubba is totally funny. And here it is again, Larry. Well, look at that. Tenta used all his weight, used it well. This guy's got balance and movement. That whole ring shifted. Bubba got the wind knocked out of him, fell into the referee. Jimmy Hart tried his best to be the good manager that he is. Didn't have a big enough megaphone. And, of course, any chicken can pick up a little bitty man like this. Yeah, how about last night? Him. Well, I wasn't very impressed with last night. And I'm not very impressed with John Tenta right here. Had an opportunity to beat Big Bubba fair and square, but look at this, he cheats, puts his feet up on the rope. And of course, the aftermath after that with Big Bubba using the loaded sock and the coins on John Tenta. All right, let's go to the ring area in this special interview. Thank you very much, Tony Schiavone. I was supposed to talk to, supposed to talk to John Tenta. However, Jimmy Hart, what in the world, you again getting involved, and what did you hand him, a roll of quarters, half dollars? The Testmaster, Jimmy Hart, Big Bubba. We're making examples of everybody from now on that turned their back on the dungeon. Of- I know you want to talk to John Tenno, but I'll have to do. See this right here? This is job change. But look at the damage it does to the big fat beast well in the ring. <laughs> hi, hi, John Tenno. Take note, boys. Every single time I step in the ring with that fat piece of trash, I kick his butt from here to kingdom come. Just like I did at the Great American Bash. Whoa, whoa. Just like I did to Nato Monday whoa. Nitro. Yo. And if you don't believe me about the American Bash, tune in tomorrow night. There's going to be a rape play. I sure as hell going to be watching. I'll tell you what, he has the facts somewhat twisted as we go back to you, Tony Schiavone. All right. We go to a commercial comeback and... I guess before we go, yeah, do you want to talk anything about between Bubba's interview, Reinstead, and before we go to the next segment? No, I don't have anything okay. before then. Then we go to a commercial and we come back with Gene and he's in the locker room with Macho Man Randy Savage. And, right on. and I'm sure you have more notes than I do, but I want to say that Macho tells us not to blink. There's no man that can hold him down. Yep. Because so Gene asks him what his plan is, and he goes, "Usually my plan is no plan. Don't blink. I'm gonna take my time. I'm not all there. I'm staying here forever and ever. I can't wait. I'm going out there now." But then Gene asks him, "Did you see? Did you seek treatment?" And Macha goes, "Yeah, I saw a woman psychiatrist, and she died." 
with OCD. She said I was one cool dude. <laughs> and I simply said, this is the greatest diagnosis I've ever heard of. I... <laughs> one cool dude. We're back live with more WCW Monday Nitro. We're back in the locker room area. The highly anticipated matchup between this man just recently reinstated. Remember, he has been kept away from Ric Flair for the last five or six weeks, with the exception of last evening, and you only touched on it. However, tonight, in just a minute and a half or so, Macho Man Randy Savage, you and the Nature Boy straight ahead, what's your game plan? Usually my plan is no plan. This time, tonight, don't blink, because I'm going to take my time. I'm going to be calculated. He is preoccupied with the women around Man, is he ever. And he doesn't understand that he's in a lot of trouble because I won't go away. Mean Gene Okerlund, I'm not all there. I admit that. But you know what? I'm staying in the WCW forever and forever and forever because there's no man that can put me down, nature boy. I am the macho man. Do you understand that? In just a little while, I'm going to be walking down that aisle. In fact, I can't wait. I'm I, going. I have a question for you before you leave, macho What's man. Your question? Did you seek any kind of treatment, any kind of psychological help, behavioral help? Yes, I did. I saw a woman psychiatrist, and she said I was OCD, one cool dude. And she understands the way I think right now. And everything's cool, everything's copacetic, everybody's happy. And I'm happy too, because I'm happy about what I'm going to do right now. Check it out. I'm going to check it out. I thank you, the macho man, Randy Savage. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, he was just reinstated over the weekend by World Championship Wrestling. This is the first opportunity that he officially is going to have a chance to get his hands on the nature boy, Ric Flair. Ric Flair has made a public spectacle out of his relationship with these gals, and especially Miss Elizabeth, the former ex of the Macho Man. Right now, let's get you back up to the ring. Mr. Beverly Hills, I had to diagnose you with OCD. Oh, well, I hope it's one cool dude. Yes. And Thank also, you. Also, I'm going to diagnose you with, with OCP. One cool partner. Oh, well, you are. You also have OCP. <laughs> then we go to the next match, which is Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Taking on the nature boy himself, Ric Flair, who's with Deborah, Liz, and Woman. I love, you know, this is such a cool thing. I feel like Flair is the perfect uh, guy to have, like, multiple valets. I just think... It fits his character and fits his personality as a character so perfectly that he would be the one to have three women. And because of this match, Mr. Beverly Hills, I had to open up my one-of-a-kind Dr. Pepper vanilla float. Oh, tasty, baby. But, yeah, I totally agree with you that, that I don't know who... I don't know if any other man alive could pull off having multiple lady valets, well, I guess, yeah, than Rick Rick Flair that. Just because of his character and all that, Flair's the man on that. Right, right. And I mean, like, Godfather had the hose and whatnot, but I feel like that does I don't know, that isn't the same. Yeah, because they, the same. Aren't, they don't have faces. They aren't characters. As I say, I feel like that's completely different with mm-hmm. Rick Flair. Right. Yeah. 
And I mean, if he wanted to make them characters, I don't think he would have pulled it off nearly as well as Flair pulls it off. Yeah, here. I was going to say that Ric Flair, I feel like in, in a way, is this a classier version of the Godfather, even though it's not really classy anyway, but. <laughs> Right, but it's a lot different. Yeah. Because he's uh, not selling the bodies of his valets. That is true. One thing I did kind of like about this match is that, yeah, the, the fans pop greatly during, during Macho's entrance yes. and all that and how the pyro, uh, how they time things out wisely for an hour or two, um, having the pyro go off during Macho's entrance, which I enjoy that they're starting to time things out a little bit better for Hour two pyro, right? Exactly. If, you know, usually, like I said, if oh wow, blah blah blah. When we, if you go back and listen to the first nitro we did, I dug the pyro or whatever, and then in subsequent episodes, not so much, right? Yeah. Well, the first, you know, the first one is much like this one, wherein they time it correctly, like you said. If it's in an intro, sweet, that's totally fine. It's when it's like in a match. That's yeah, not nice, not so much, and I also did enjoy right. that, you know, right, when approach when Macho was started to come out, that they Bobby Heenan was starting to walk down to the announcers <laughs> table at their Nitro stage, and I know we we've been talking about this off and on last like month that I loved how Randy chased Bobby <laughs> down the aisle and around the ring and all that for the beginning of hour two. Yes, him chasing Bobby was tremendous. Then I, well, two notes. One, I love that how Larry still at the announcer's table up to the next commercial, so it's kind of cool to hear Tony kind of interplay with Bobby and with Larry a little bit. Right, and I liked how um, Tony is basically saying that, like, he didn't deserve being chased around, that that's after what he did the night before, but... Uh, Larry is there to defend him. You know, just kind of being credulous about that. I liked that. <laughs> then, then, yeah, when Flair came down to the ring, he stopped, you know, at, at right, right, right where the ring stairs are. Right? He grabs the mic and tells Macho that every man must feel the defeat sometime in their life. And Flair said that Macho was feeling that and divorce. And Flair's yes. in Richmond with all the girls. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Then Macho grabbed the mic and, and said, I'll kick your ass. Yum. Flair, I'm going to kick your ass. All right. Thanks a lot. Here we are. Ready to go. We'll be joined in just a few moments. As a matter of fact, you're getting set right now to join us. Bobby the Brain here for the second hour of WCW Monday Night Draw. Two hours coming to you each and every Monday live and only on TNT. And here we go with one of our feature events. Fans still to come, we will have this random drawing. Random drawing in our second hour to find out who will face the two men and who this new man, this surprise man will be. Second hour, and he's backing up. He didn't. Oh, he didn't. 
On the Great American Bash, and you know, Macho. Wait a minute, Macho. <sighs> Every man in life must, at some point in time, experience the agony and the pain of defeat. In your case, you are experiencing the pain of agony, defeat, and divorce. Oh, no. Tell him, tell him. And look who's in Richmond tonight with all the girls. Keep your mouth shut, punk. Keep your mouth shut, punk. Woo! The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. You know, it brings another thing to point when you were talking about Eric Bischoff. I have no feelings one way or the other for Eric Bischoff. But these Get things can't... Get your ass! <laughs> what were you saying, Brain? Just a minute. Where's he going now? Well, if he comes back here, oh, he's going after Flame, and I tell you, Macho Man is still 100% a fruitcake. He's nuts. He's you're, loony. You're right about that, Larry. There's something definitely wrong with him. And the people here at WCW can't control him. I'm going to have to go to the court system and do something about this. I'm not going to risk my life and win because this man wants his old lady and all his money and the championship. Don't take it out on me and the rest of us. The macho man Randy Savage and nature boy Ric Flair. Going down to the bell's not even, even really sounding here, and we're already into it here. 
The robe is still on. The 13-time champ. And the Macho Man goes to the eyes. Flair goes to the eyes. And we're off and running. And that's one guy I sure so don't want to tell me that is Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, I mean, when they have this character right now of him being insane, I think it totally works because I could completely see the character of Macho Man Randy Savage just being crazy. Uh, he plays it perfectly, and that, you know, has been his, his really his character for, you know, 15 years at this point, going, you know, freak out, freak out, all that. So it totally plays with them, plays in with, the, with that, and I guess... Also plays into his character what, how the opening bell for the match where Flair didn't even have the chance to take off his robe before yes. before being jumped and yeah I'll kick it to you to talk about that. Rock on yeah so we have crazy a crazy melee outside of the ring, um, and Macho is just going crazy he's hitting punches he had a backdrop a few clothesline, uh, and then we kind of go to commercial right as we were going to commercial Flair reversed a. Uh, Irish whip into the barricade, and that's kind of where we come back at. Um, so uh, Flair is again throwing him into the barricades, but Macho comes back, uh, chases him to the uh, buffet table, the VIP area over there, and uh, rubs his face in the fruit, force feeds him some fruit, uh, sprays him with the, the champagne, which Tony replies, a little bit of the bubbly. And <laughs> Tony. <laughs> This leads me to my question. What do you think, in your opinion, would be the worst food to have rubbed into your face? By Macho Man Randy Savage. I want to say something like maybe some kind of jelly. Okay. Or something maybe spicy. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to say like some type of meat. Yeah. He's rubbing like tuna fish in your face. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why it'd be a, any kind of raw meat, but <laughs> some kind of raw meat out there, I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> or a cold dead fish. Oh, oh, man, cold dead fish, that would be, I think you found the winner. The winner. Cold dead fish, gross. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So... So uh, <laughs> Savage drags him back to the ring and kind of takes back over. He got I punched in the corner, just lots of punches, which led to my favorite, which is the flare flop. And oh, before that, also I noted that Macho Man grabbed a candle with him and brought it to the ring. Oh, did he really? Yeah, which <laughs> made me laugh. Like, what are you gonna do with the candle? But then again, this what Macho is Man. he gonna? What is he gonna do with the candle? I'm more than a little afraid yeah. of what Macho Man plans to do to Ric Flair with this scandal. Let's just say, thank God, Randy Savage is a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> Gosh, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew you were going to work that in because you'd been thinking of it, and when it's on your mind, you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So we're trading punches at this point. Macho went up top and hit an axe handle. Um... Flair got something from his boot. I'm not exactly sure could it, uh, what this is. Could it be the candle that Macho Man grabbed <laughs> earlier that he somehow put it in his boot? I don't know. It was in his boot. I, it was like a, a, I don't know, like a screw or something. It, it looked like it was metal. Um, yeah. So he hit, 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. I got to go back to now. He hit Macho, but he didn't get a three. Uh, the ref went down at, at this point. He got, he got knocked down. And then I, sw- I swear, I'm just going to say it. It looked like Macho bit Flair's penis at this point. <laughs> uh, I think it was supposed to be some type of low blow, but, like, his face was right there. There's some type of, like, you know, attack, and then Flair goes down. It looks like a bite. I don't, yeah, I don't want any crazy macho man or any man or woman or animal <laughs> to try to do that to me, Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> so then Macho goes up top and he hits the elbow once, and then the ladies all come and stand in the way. And Macho, because he's so crazy, he just jumps off anyway, and they all run, uh, run out of the way, and he hits the, hits the elbow nonetheless. Uh, then at this point, all the rest of the um, horsemen come down. Benoit gets a pile driver. Arn gets a big punch. But then, gosh, oh Mongo, because he's the star here, <laughs> hits Mato with two briefcase shots, and we're done. Yeah, Flair rolls over and picks up the pinfall victory. Winner, Ric Flair. I read this match. Three and one half stars, Mr. Beverly Hills. I went two and three quarters. I did not like the finish at all. Okay, I guess I, I put down I did like the ending only because I guess it puts over. I guess they're trying to build, also build up Mago McMichael, even though he's not great in the ring. And I feel like it also ties in with. Mongo having the briefcase full of Macho's money that Liz got from the divorce, and it took the money that Liz got to knock out Macho Man in his match against Ric Flair. Right, I, and I guess my point is that I just don't like that Mongo is that person in that position. So that's I think that's where we differ. You know, I don't like that it's Mongo. So and I guess I like the ending because it also. Is, Shows how it has to take all four horsemen to take out Macho Man or Randy Savage because he's that crazy, right? And that's that's a good point. I just don't like that. It's uh, Mongo. Okay. But after after the victory, Mongo put another horseman shirt on, and all four guys put the yeah. boots to Savage. It's weird that we got the reenactment of Mongo putting the shirt on. Yeah, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Then we go backstage to the locker with Mean Gene, who's with Jimmy Hart again, Kevin Kevin Sullivan, and a giant. Then Gene Mean said that uh, there are groups within WCW, and we have the Outsiders. Then Jimmy told Sullivan that they couldn't trust the horseman. Look what happened. Yeah, ever since Brian Pillman. Yeah. Then Sullivan said... In the last days, there will be wars all over the place. And there have been three wars. The legal war, which we talked about before, which I don't know why he mentions on air. Uh, See, another war that's going on, which I assume would be the Outsiders. And now a war between the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen. Which is the most violent war. Then Then the Giants said the Horsemen is the elite. Then, or if the horsemen are the elite, then why don't one of them hold the WCW World Heavyweight Championship? Yeah. John said that he is the best, and, the, and if the horsemen will go down, it's the. Oh, that approach it, 
so the, the giant said that he's the best and challenges the horseman to come down and prove him wrong. And then he, he goes into an awful, he's like, you're going down. And then all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't choke slam. He just like stops because he knows that this is just an awful problem. Bro. So he just goes, choke slam. <laughs> This this promo sucked such donkey balls. I don't even know. This was so bad. Why does Sullivan get to talk before the champion? His end of days crap is so bad. Giant needs to think about what he's going to say so he doesn't have to just say choke slam. Stop it. It's so bad. Or he doesn't have to stop it. Choke slam. Choke slam. <laughs> then yeah, Gene said that the Giant will be defending the WCW title against Scotty Steiner tonight. Then Gene said that he will announce the three opponents for the for the outsiders in three weeks at the Bash of the Beach pay per view. Yep. Eye opening, startling, Great American Bash of last night that can be seen in an encore presentation. I understand tomorrow night as we go back to the locker room area. Woo! Uh, I kind of feel a little comfort uh, back here. This is safe haven, at least for the time being, after what we have just seen out of the arena and up in the ring. Gentlemen, last night at the Great American Bash, it was quite evident to me that there are little cliques that are being established within the ranks of World Championship Wrestling. There are even outsiders coming in and declaring war, challenging other members of our organization. And Jimmy Hart, I really don't know what to make of it, but I know that this man and certainly this man are going to be involved. You know, Kevin, I told you, how many times did I try to tell you that you couldn't trust anybody in the Four Horsemen, Iron Anderson, Ric Flair, ever since you cat riddle Brian Pillman? These guys have been out to get us, man. You know it, and I know it, too. It's a war. All right. War's breaking out. You know, they say in the last days that wars will be all over the place. There's a legal war going on. There's a war that when Hogan comes back, he'll be after the dungeon, and there'll be another war. Now, war has been declared. You say you're the elite group in professional wrestling, Arn Anderson, and you stuck out your hand to me? The only man I may respect in this wrestling business? He stuck something. Yeah, and let me tell you what. I've been in violent fights my whole life. But last night, when we fought around that arena, ended up in a men's room, ended downstairs. And then when it was all over, and I was laying down, and Iron Anderson came up. And instead of making the deal, he made the deal with Benoit and kicked me in the ribs. Larn Anderson, I have a strange mentality. There's a fine line in my head between pain and pleasure, my friend. And I like that. This is an elite. The problem started when they claim that the four horsemen of the elite, if you're the elite, then how come one of the four of you is not the WCW World Heavyweight Champion? It's plain and simple, Taskmaster. They're jealous, they're envious, and they're incapable and incompetent of taking the World Heavyweight Championship belt away from me. I am the best that ever came out of the Dungeon of Doom. 
And anybody in the Dungeon of Doom is better than any horseman can ever dream to be. I dare you. I implore you. One horseman, two horsemen, three horsemen, four horsemen. Come in the ring with a giant, and they'll all fall down. And all the king's men and all the king's horses won't be able to put them back together again. All right, I thank you. By the way, the giant, a little bit later on in this television program, is going to be locking up and defending against Scott Steiner. We don't know the physical condition of Steiner after what happened earlier on. But, gentlemen, I want you to what contemplate one other thing. Please. Later on, on this program, I'm going to make the announcement about the bash at the beach in Daytona on July the 7th. Six of the elite superstars of World Championship Wrestling have been selected. We're going to take three out of That's that. That's a different story. I know it is. I'm telling you this. I don't care about the four horsemen. What comes first is WCW. All right, I thank you, Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster Giant, Jimmy Hart. Stay tuned. More Monday Nitro right around the corner here on TNT. Then we... Get uh, let's see. Then we get a Glacier commercial. Whoop de doo coming to WCW in July 1996. I guess he's just that slow moving that he's milking it out. <laughs> then Tony tells us, yeah, he what moves ha- like a glacier. That's for sure. Yeah. Then Tony tells us what happened at the pay per view with Bischoff and the Outsiders. Okay. How Nash power bombed him through the table stage side. Mm-hmm. Then we see some stills of Mongo and Green and. In the Horseman match. And we see some more stills of Sullivan and Benoit match. And Tony said that the announcement... Yeah, that there will be an announcement... Or the announcement will be announced tonight on Nitro... On the, the, on the three stars that will face the Outsiders at Bash at the Beach. Yep. And uh, Tony didn't stumble over his words like I did. Tony actually pre-reads his notes before That's he okay. goes on air. Then... Well, right. we all know how the dirty dog rolls. Hey, that's okay, man. Then Mean Gene is ringside with Rey Mysterio at, at the end of the ramp. Then mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio came down, and he said that he'll show Malenko what he's made of tonight and wants a Cruiserweight title around his waist. Yes, he does. Fans, we're going to find out the all-important announcement still to come. Right now, let's go down to the arena floor with this interview. Not over, you know. All right, thank you, bud. Uh, by the way, I should point out Ray Mysterio Jr., a great superstar that comes in to this great organization. And, of course, he is from south, well, actually from south of the border down in Mexico. We've heard so much about you. Last night, I saw you at the Great American Bash challenging cruiserweight champ Dean Malenko and Ray Mysterio Jr. I have never seen such tremendous acrobatics in my entire life. And what a sensational match. However, Malenko bending the rules a little bit. He got the pin, but his legs, his feet were actually on the ropes. That's right. That's right. He was on the ropes. He was holding the ropes. I don't like that. Malenko, he's very professional, and I respect him a lot. But I'm going to show him what I'm made out of. And I'm going to teach him tonight, because I want that cruiserweight title on my waist. All right, Rey Mysterio, perhaps if I can prevail upon you, something to our great Latinos that are viewing this television program tonight. Van a ver quién es el mejor campeón del mundo, porque se lo voy a demostrar arriba en el ring. All right, he is Rey Mysterio Jr. You're going to be hearing a lot about this young man. He is absolutely dynamite as we get you back to action. You know, it was one of the most exciting matches I ever witnessed last night. Then we then we get the the next match, which is for the WCW World Cruiserweight Championship. Ray Mysterio Jr. take on the champion, Dean Malenko. Right on. And it starts quickly. Ray is able to get the advantage quick with a knee lock. 
Um, it's really fast moving. Dean hit a monkey flip, a really long back and forth with a lot of really good moves. I recommend everyone watching this one. Um, culminates with a Ray moonsault press uh, and a roll up for a close, really close to. Um, then after Ray did one of his kind of flips off Dean, Dean just crushed him, absolutely crushed him with a clothesline. Uh, as all this is going on, Bobby feels the need to to uh, announce to us, he's got no hair about <laughs> Ray Mysterio. <laughs> um, Dean, you know, I, I really like this dynamic because you know, Dean Malenko is a pretty small guy, like all things considered. Yeah. But he doesn't wrestle like a small guy. He wrestles like a big guy. You know, he's a ground wrestler. He's a power wrestler. So when they can actually give him someone who's smaller than him to actually do those moves to, he's at his best. So I think the dynamic between Mysterio and Malenko is just perfect. Yeah, their matches really. Yeah, I think uh, after the yeah you said after the beautiful nasty looking clothesline and all that, surely thereafter, Winko did like a walls of Jericho esque half Boston crab that I thought mm-hmm. looked absolutely amazing on Rey Mysterio and that was really good. And that's you know one thing I liked about Rey Mysterio and WCW that he was you know a lot smaller than he was in the WWE that and mm-hmm. like so with Malenko having smaller guys than him can do. Right. That kind of maneuvers that look even more devastating than what the normal version of the Boston Crab looks like, or yeah, the and, Crab. Right, and also you know Ray being so um, flexible as well that he's able to basically bend his leg over upon itself. Bend his leg over uh, his leg. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so it looked really good uh, that way. Um, then Dean comes back and also really wrecks Ray with this big power bomb, but still just two. And then we got like a full on face shot of Randy Eller, and man, he is an ugly man. He is he is truly not good looking at all. He has a terrible mullet. He's got a gap in his teeth. He's just like, it's just not good. In a way, he has a face for radio. He does have a face radio, just like us. That's why we're here. Yes, hallelujah. Um, so, uh, on the outside, Ray will throw Dean to the barricade here. Then, he, oh, seriously, he's got, like, super speed, because now all of a sudden he's up in the ring, jumps off, does a flying head scissors to the floor. And I was like, whoa, how, how did he even get up there? Um, back inside, he does a sunset flip powerbomb for two. Uh, he reversed a slam for a two count again. Uh, and then finally, uh, Dean catches, is able to catch Ray, uh, hit him with a reverse DDT, and put him away for the three. One, two, three. Malenko is, this is the winner and still a reigning and defending world cruiserweight champion. And Mr. Beverly Hills, because of the stellar match, I'd rate this three and one half stars. I went three and three quarters. Uh, I really liked this. Not quite as good as, as their bash match. As their bash before. match, but pretty damn good in itself. Yeah, the, the, both men put on one hell of a match again, two nights in a row for the second night. And yeah, that I just feel like yeah, that reverse ET out of nowhere is probably the best way to finish this match that Malenko Prince had to pull a move out of nowhere to 
knockout Mysterio long enough for the pinfall victory, which I really liked. Right, I agree. Yeah, yeah those quick... Yeah, it works. I guess I like ending maneuvers, finishing maneuvers, I guess, that kind of like like that, like the diamond cutter we talked about with DDP, with Orton and the RKO. I like in Austin with the stunner. I like finishing maneuvers that come out of nowhere and bam, the it's, match is over. Yep, 100% agree. 100% agree. The ones that take setup look exponentially less effective and believable and fun for me to watch. Things that, that happen on Nora are so much better. And we see some replays of the match, something I always enjoy. That okay. we did a commercial for the WCW magazine and for the month, and Luger's on the cover piece. Who cares? I don't want that. Magazine. I always fast forward through the magazine commercials. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't want that magazine because Lux Luger's on the cover. <laughs> I don't want that total package of a magazine. Oh, God. Then we get the final match of the no, I think it's the final match of the night. Uh, it is. WCW, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Scotty Steiner as the challenger taking on the champion with his manager, Jimmy Hart, the giant. You got that. Then I noted that Scotty had his ribs taped up from the pay-per-view match the night before. Mm-hmm. It, well, actually, I think it's supposed to be from the attack oh, earlier. Okay, yeah. I was just going to say, did they, the announcers can explain why Scotty had his ribs taped up, but that totally makes sense because of the beating from the first match of the night when he went out to save Rick Steiner, his brother. Yep, the ju- yeah, and when he laid over the top of him and um, Booker T came crashing down. I think that's what it's supposed to be from. When Booker T comes crashing down, it hurts inside. Yes, you got it. You got to take a stand. Don't have to hide. Yes. And we are real Americans. And I take it to you to talk about this, the real breakdown of this match. Right. So my first question of you is, do you think Big Show should grow his hair out again? Because it looked pretty good right here. If he can have his hair look like he did back when he was the giant in 95, 96. I like that. I like that. I I even liked what the Giant had when he first debuted in WWF in February of '99. I like kind of like oh, the, yeah. long, the longer rock star esque hair like he had back then, which is I think very similar <laughs> to what he had in '96 here. Yeah, I would agree. It is pretty close to that. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Was luscious rock star hair. So. uh the story of the match here, it starts out early. This is a good story in this match, I think. It started, you know, Steiner, he can't, like, stop himself from trying to use power moves. So he tries to lift the giant. It goes um, awry. Giant falls on him. Well, yeah, the, and then the body mm-hmm. thing spot. I noted that, yeah, that Scotty tried to try to body from the giant. We get a Hogan-Andre spot. Then yep. Giant kicks Scotty in the ribs, and Bobby pronounces, Steiner, you're an idiot. Right. Which, so I, from, have to, which it, I have to second that, especially like, sorry to keep interrupting you, but I have to second, okay. second Bobby's statement of Steiner being an idiot since, yeah, he hurt himself earlier the night protecting Rick Steiner, you know, getting his ribs tipped up, taped up, and, you know, since you're weak anyway, you had one hell of a tag match the night before, and you're facing somebody that's a lot taller than you and a lot heavier than you, why try to 
do body slams and suplexes and all that where you need that rib strength and all that and that's not at 100 percent yeah but i mean i like that like that's steiner's game you know what i mean like he isn't a speed wrestler he's a power wrestler so i like that he can't like get away from it um, but yeah, so it sets up a good story here that uh, Giant's going to focus on his uh, uh, body, his uh, midsection for the rest of the match. So he stands on him. Uh, he works the camel clutch to work on his back. He does a double leg drop that lands on him. Um, while the announcers were talking about the uh, bash at the beach brain fears that someone may either drown or be buried in the sand forever. Oh, I think that's, I uh, was, that might be the inspiration to Vince Russo burying uh, Rick Flair in the desert all those years later. <laughs> Maybe. I don't Thanks. know. <laughs> Giant hit a vertical suplex. Um, Scott gets a little glimmer of hope here. He crotched Giant and then he low blowed him. Um, as but as Scott had a sleeper on Giant crushed him in the corner and uh, yeah Scott got a big side suplex on Giant then he got this wooden chair that had been brought into the ring earlier smashed it on Giant's back but it had no effect and Giant got the, cloak, the choke slam for the three so the winner is the Giant still are reigning and defending WCW World Heavyweight Champion and I ready this match two and one four stars Mr. Beverly Hills I went two and a half, so right along the same so lines. I feel like this was a lot better than the pay-per-view match that the Giant had with Luger the night before. And I feel like just because it, like like what you said in, earlier in the beginning of this match review, that you know there, there was a story that tied in with Scott Steiner from earlier in the night that played into this match. And I felt like, yeah, this match was a lot better than the pay-per-view match the night, night before, but... As discussed at the Great American Mash pay-per-view review that we did, didn't help out that the Outsiders did what they did to Bischoff before the pay-per-view match and kind of drugged on the Luger giant match in the pay-per-view. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because that the emotional portion of it was very uh, drained after the Bischoff thing. No, that that's true. But uh, I, like I said, I enjoyed this match a lot better because it tells more of a story than yeah the the pay-per-view title match from the night before. Right, I would agree. Then it's even... I enjoyed seeing the giant go up for a few suplexes, and I also enjoyed seeing the wooden chair explode on the giant and the giant no-selling it, hitting the choke slam, one, two, three. He he walks out of the victor and still a champion. Mm -hmm. Then we we go to a commercial comeback, and me and Gene's at the end of the stage again, and... uh, which I thought put over the importance of the announcement. That uh, I guess I always liked the night, uh, early days of the Nitro stage set. And he said it came down to six superstars to face the Outsiders at the Bash of the Beach. And I didn't take note of the qualifications, Mr. Beverly Hills. Did you take note on what Gene said was the qualifications? Yep, the championship committee had met. And that's where he just came from. So the WCW like the, Championship Committee picked the six top wrestlers. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, it seems like the, the list came up with the t- six top competitors for the first the world title. It was came down to Hulk Hogan, WCW Champion the Giant, Ric Flair, Steen, Lux Luger, and Randy Savage. And there's 
And the three names that were drawn were Lux Luger, Machuman, and Sting. Yep. Uh, did, did like? Do you know if they just pulled like names out of a hat or anything that you that you noticed? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Nope, yeah. not sure. Doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. Yeah. yeah. Then we go back to Tony, and Tony put over the major announcement. Then Bobby, I guess, compared it to the Gulf War that we were the outsiders and we kicked kicked their butts and. So when you take that into consideration, which I don't know how much sense that makes, and like you'd notice, Bishop Beverly Hills, you're a teacher, you're a history teacher, so yes, I how am. much can you see any similarities to the Gulf, uh, that Gulf War and the outsiders coming in? Uh, uh, very tenuous at best to, relate, to make that relation. Not really, because Iraq invaded Kuwait, so there's already one invasion, and then it would it would be as if like if WWF invaded ECW and then WCW came to their defense, because there's really kind of three three parties, so not so much. To me, it didn't make much sense, but <laughs> at least Bobby tried, which I appreciated. So, then he could have he could have just not. He didn't have to make a historical reference. That is true. This portion of WCW Monday Nitro is brought to you by New Winter Fresh Gum from Wrigley for icy cool breath that lasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on WCW Monday Nitro. Get ready. I've been here at World Championship Wrestling for three years, and this is the biggest single announcement I could ever recall. This has been one of the most hectic days in my entire life. Of course, we came in from Baltimore, the Great American Bash last night. So much buzz about what's going on right now in this organization. I just came out of high-level meetings with WCW officials backstage. Earlier in the week, six of the top superstars, the criteria, of course, based on the win-loss record and also some other considerations, we're taking the six top men in all of World Championship Wrestling to meet these outsiders that have come and challenged the great men and women in this organization. You know who the two men I'm talking about. Last night, they provoked Eric Bischoff, and then one of the most despicable acts I've ever eyewitnessed. I have always been a big advocate of these gentlemen going ahead and conducting their business but keeping their hands, their mitts, off any of our broadcast people. That did not happen last night with these two outsiders. Earlier, the list compiled the six names were the great Hulk Hogan, the giant, a man we've just seen. Also, the nature boy Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Sting, and last but not least, the macho man Randy Savage. Those were the six names. They've just drawn the three that are going to collide head-on with these two outsiders and a yet-to-be-named third man at the Bash at the Beach, July the 7th, in Daytona Beach, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, those three names are none other than Lex Luger, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Sting. Yes, it is final. Those are the three men that will represent WCW as they go head-to-head -head with three men from the outside that have challenged this great organization. That'll happen July the 7th in Daytona Beach, exclusively on pay-per-view. It's a big one, gentlemen, as I throw it back to Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Guys, I can't believe it. 
neither can we. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard the major announcement. Sting, the Macho Man, and Lex Luger will defend WCW at the Great American Bash Sunday, July 7th. Can you? This is incredible. Well, everybody's talking about the outsiders, the enemy. Remember, during the Gulf War, we were the outsiders in Kuwait, and we kicked their tails. Don't sell anybody short here. Now it's Sting, the Macho Man, and Luger. Wow. See you next week, fans. <laughs> then, yeah, then the, sh then the show ended, and, yeah, that was that. So let's take a quick break before we can catch our breath. And we'll be right back after this break with the thrilling conclusion. Okay. But I'm not going to say it, and I'm not going to... I'm going to spell it out to you people. I'm going to spell it out to you people. I'm going to spell it out to you people. F-E-A-R. 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 It'll shock you. The word is F-E-A-R. And that's exactly what Dusty Rhodes is going to have. F-E-A-R. Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes is going to have F-E-A-R. He's drugged on his own ego. E-E-Ego. Dusty Rhodes is dumb. He is ignorant. He does not show any respect. Dusty Rhodes is going to have F-E-A-R. All right, we're back, everybody, for the thrilling conclusion. Mr. Beverly Hills joined, obviously, by Dirty Dog Darcy. Kick it, man. The, the jobber I have to choose, Mr. Beverly Hills, has yes. to be Conan. Because, uh, as usual for the shows i look up look at the results yeah for the for that night's tapings conan is my jobber because he defended his united states championship in a dark match before the show even happened okay so he jobbed out to the dark match okay sure fair enough fair enough i, I this is a pretty packed show um i don't i guess i can't see what would you have taken out if you're going to put a Conan match in? Um, let's see. Let me go through back my notes. Um, I guess maybe the disco match, huh? Yeah, as I say, everything in hour two I liked and didn't want to take anything out. Maybe the disco match or maybe the Big Bubba versus John Tenta match. Okay, sure, Because sure. I guess those two matches I could really care. I guess I enjoyed the Stevie Ray and Rick Steiner opener. So I would I would leave that in there. So yeah, I either would take out the disco, which is Joe Gomez match, which I guess I'll maybe keep in there because I really love disco. So I would say maybe take out the Big Bubba and John Tenta match because you know that's really not that well needed. We saw that the night before at the Great American Bash, and I feel like the U.S. title, you know, should be on the card somewhere on, on TV. I so. guess, but I think at the same point, you need a story with it. And there's really no story if he's just going to have a match. Like the Tenta-Bubba match, that, that sets up the silver dollar thing. Yeah. The disco match is setting up that he's an idiot and he's going <laughs> to and he's gonna challenge you see at the pay-per-view. Yeah. So. so I guess that if I had to pick a jobber from 
the actual show itself, I'd probably say John Tenta because he got socked with some change. <laughs> Rock on. My jobber's Joe Gomez. He sucked. He's supposed to look good. Bad. Makes sense. Then, yeah, my main event star has to be Dean Malenko for putting on a he- hell of another great match for the Cruiserweight title and back-to-back nights on Money Nitro. That's a good choice. Um, it's going to be Arn Anderson. Uh, he again looked great. Uh, he was able to work with the crowd here and play off of them, so that's my pick. Then, uh, before we wrap it up for the night, for the podcast, this is the first podcast you and I have done since Roddy Piper passed away. That oh, yes. I've talked about it on you know, previous shows with Captain Obvious and my buddy, Je- my buddy Jesse, but... Uh, yep. About Roddy Piper passing away and and all that, I know we would have, yeah. I, I just feel like Piper. I, I mentioned before that I feel like Piper helped build up, you know, first few WrestleManias. You know, being the main event for WrestleMania one, had his back match with T at two, had his retirement match against Adrian Adonis at three. I feel like Piper was one of the early cornerstones for Hogan and Hulkamania in '85. And all that, you know, for his feud, I feel like Piper yeah, helped build, uh, helped build, uh, yeah, Hogan. I feel like in ways he, he was kind of like the edge to John Cena in the 2000s. Um, right. My favorite match with Brett, with uh, Piper was against Brett at WrestleMania 8. And I really liked the, the movie They Live with Piper. But mm-hmm. I guess I'd like to get your thoughts and memories of. Roddy Piper and what you initially thought when you heard the news of Piper passing away. Well, I mean, it was obviously sad when I, you know, heard it. Uh, obviously, things in my own life, it's been a month, uh, have been a lot different and more consuming than Roddy Piper's uh, passing yeah. away. So, uh, but uh, I don't know. You know, he's someone that kind of is a blind spot for me because I didn't watch wrestling in the 80s because I wasn't born. Um, by the time I started, he was a sporadic color commentator. Um, I didn't really watch much of his kind of return stuff with, uh, WCW. So I don't have a lot of memories, uh, of Roddy Piper. Um, I respect kind of his cultural impact and his impact on wrestling in general. Uh, I love they live, but. Really, he's not kind of my ter- cup of tea because I don't know much. And I, and to be honest, I don't have a really desire to look at his stuff. I get it, and I get why people love him, but he's not really my kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, ways would be cool if WWE would put old shows of with Pipe Ronnie, like old superstars or whatever else for, you know, I guess I never really had much, like you, much of a desire to go back and watch old Piper stuff, but he's mm-hmm. one guy that I guess I appreciated because of, yeah, that he helped help build up Hogan in '85. You know the significance, like I said, of they live and yeah. We it's been said before on the podcast. I'm big into wrestling podcast, and mm-hmm. I've given Piper's two incarnations of his podcast to try and and all that. And I, and I feel like he's one of the better talkers and all that. And just I guess you know with both him and Dusty passing away. You know, a few months from each other, you know, them being huge and impactful and inspirational on the mic mm-hmm. during their careers, it's, I guess, kind of sad that a couple of great legends, great talkers right. in the 80s, sadly enough, passed away 
Oh, this mm-hmm. past summer. Yeah, that's true. That's then, true. Then I know we weren't going to talk about this, but um, since stuff happened, but uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about before we close the show about um, wrestling from, I guess, what we've been reviewing in nowadays that we kind of, you were kind of giving me crap about, you know, me saying that I can't see American males as double tag or double drop kick as a finishing oh, maneuver because sure. I know we've kind of been emailing each other this past month or so that, you know, that's compared to nowadays for 2015 WWE pay-per-views and Kevin Owens. I'm just using him as an example that, you know, matches oh, yeah. he's had with John Cena or... Cesaro or whoever else on pay-per-view, he's used, like, top rope, fisherman suplex, fisherman busters off the top rope, and that's only a two count. Right. And I guess moves like that kind of bothers me nowadays because, to me, if something like that gets hit, I feel like that should be the finish, that should be it, that should put the guy out. And nowadays, you know, finish maneuvers aren't really finish maneuvers it takes. John Cena hit two, three AAs or whatever else to put the oppo- his opponent out, and like we re- we've seen with the Giant in the series, one choke slam, bam, the match is over, and all that. Okay. I guess I want to get your thoughts on the evolution of wrestling from, I guess when, when we were kids to now, and I guess am I wrong on not really liking it, the current style, too much because of that? Uh, I'd say a little bit, just because I do think wrestling's evolved, and like you need to stay with it too, and we need to stay with it too, um, because you know your era, your favorite era is the Attitude Era, and that's really what did it. Uh, yeah. The Crash TV style, the um, style of needing to basically blow up your opponent to get a victory. Uh, that's where it comes from, and uh, we're just kind of reaping those rewards or the opposite of that right now uh that's kind of what we're seeing i guess is there a way to go back to that from like i guess what we're watching now is there a way to guess teach the fans that teach the fans on it's only going to take one finish maneuver and the match is over yep there's always a way to recondition your fans there's always a way Uh, i don't take definitely take time Yep. To do that. Yep, you just have to slow down everything is what it would do. Okay, because, yeah, like I said, that I greatly enjoy, yeah, seeing the giant hit one chug slam, the match is over. That takes one big boot and light drop from Hogan, the match right. is over. It takes one jackknife right. door bomb from Nash, et cetera, et cetera, the match is over. And nowadays, you know, like you said, then I got to keep up with the times, you know, it's, it's just what. Mm-hmm. The industry is involved to because of the attitude error in the crash TV. But I guess I don't know. It just might be like might be the inner Jim Cornette in me that wants wants what I enjoyed to come back. But I don't know. I guess I wanted to yeah kick it towards you because yeah we when we were emailing each other after SummerSlam that really bothered me and I wanted to talk to you about that. But because life oh, happened, yeah. we didn't get a chance to record until now and you just wanted to kick that to to you right yep no that's true so we might as well do the plugs for the podcast you guys can you listen, got it you guys can listen to us at our website made event status.com or at soundcloud.com slash made event status radio 
Mr. Beverly Hills, how is this, what is this third magical way people can hear us in their magical ears? Oh, geez, I didn't hear the first two. Oh. You, say, you said SoundCloud. Yeah, MadeEventStatus.com. SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com. Sorry, I'm missing out my most favorite, the way I listen to it, which is through iTunes. Uh, it's the easiest way. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to log into anything. All you got to do is just one click, subscribe to our podcast, and it will come into your device, whatever it is, computer, iPad, iPhone, iPod, as soon as my main man across the internet waves uploads that usually someday between Friday and Sunday night. Yes. Then... Yeah, rate us, review us. We want to move up the charts and beat the Ross report because we're tired you got of it. Hashtag saucy attitude. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. You guys can listen to us on Facebook. Or not Facebook. You guys can listen to us on Facebook, I suppose. But like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio, Or just search up Radio. We're on there. You guys can interact with us on the Twitter machine. Beverly, how can they interact with you there? That is at... Beverly Hills MES is where you go. For me, it's at Dirty Dog MES. Dog as in D A to the W to the G. Dirty Dog MES. Yes. Do you have any final thoughts or comments, Mr. Beverly Hills? Mm, not a whole heck of a lot. This was a good episode. This is probably our. This is probably my favorite episode of Nitro that we've watched in this series um, up to this point, and even without any. Uh, involvement of Holler Nash on this. Which I was surprised to see, to be honest. Yeah. Then for Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Adios, main adventures. Peace. That was amazing. They should get, you should get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody!